Episode commencing in 3, 2, 1. Episode initiated. Welcome back, everyone, to Cosmic Crit. This is your, your host slash GM, Patrick, here. And welcome to CritterCon 6. CritterCon, it's, it sounds weird to say it, but we're all the way up to the confusing Roman numerals or <laughs> CritterCon 666, as it might be. My favorite Final Fantasy, 6. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. And uh, returning to our pre-con interview hot seat once more is a friendly face friend of the show obviously and our new ongoing managing creative director for starfinder mr thurston hillman thirsty hello to, uh, to <laughs> starfinder fans everywhere welcome sir well, thank you for having me. It's good to be back. It's been way too long. I know you, um, well, I, I just don't like, <laughs> as soon as you get into a new position, being like, oh, you're going to have to come on the podcast now and talk about all the plans. <laughs> all the things, finder. all the things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. No, but I think you were here for CritterCon 2, so four years ago. I, yeah. I guess that was 2019, now that I think about it. I, I said 2018 yeah. when we were talking earlier, but I believe that is correct, and you've been on the podcast before in interview form. Talk about Starfinder Society in, in yes. years past, um, where you, you worked for a, a, a great deal of time developing mm-hmm. the fun society scenarios. Well, welcome back once more, and, and thanks for talking to us about CritterCon for a little bit, and about yeah. Starfinder a lot of bit. <laughs> I, I know you've had some you've played with folks at a CritterCon before and, and you've helped with the, the charity and, and the, the background just for folks listening out there who have heard us talk about our online Paizo authorized charity convention, but have never played it before. While you are listening to this, if you are listening to it the week that it comes out, there is still time to sign up and play online in our convention. In fact, I was <laughs> I was talking to some of our con con organizers and and what have you, and they said the there's a huge influx of people that sign up like day of and the day before. So don't feel bad <laughs> about that. And there's spaces at most tables, including the larger con specials that you can only do at conventions, either in person or online and uh we're we're our convention is at the end of the con cycle so this is probably the last time you will get a chance to play we're running the starfinder society special last time you'll get to ch- a chance to play this this year so if you haven't or if you haven't gm'd it there might be still space to gm as well join our our discord have you heard about Starfinder Society before, Thurston? It's it's pretty popular. It's, it's <laughs> entirely you. new to me. I have no idea. Tell me all about it. Well, you've had your <laughs> your head in a completely different headspace for about a year now, yeah? Uh, you know, it's 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 okay. So it's it's actually been interesting. Um as I track my like my mental progress of like what the last few years have been. I mm-hmm. um I, I started uh, with Starfinder Society. I was the Starfinder Society developer for the first um, three seasons, which roughly equates to about four years because the first season was like a double whammy yeah. um, sort of thing. Uh, and then time before that, because I was obviously working before the season released. 
all that being said, uh, after that, we had some staffing changes and organized play, and I swapped over to sort of lead Pathfinder Society for a bit. They were um, they had some staff um, changeover. I jumped in to help out having a bunch of experience. I came from Pathfinder Society before, you know, Starfinder even existed. Mm-hmm. So I jumped in over there, um, helped out for a bit, and then we had some more staff changes, and... I ended up moving into this uh, kind of special division we were calling Digital Adventures. Um, you might have seen like some of the one shots that came out. Very Previous, popular, yeah. Yeah. Previously, those had been sort of a miscellaneous, like whatever developer was free got to handle <laughs> them. Um, and it was decided maybe we should have a dedicated person. And I became that dedicated person. Um, I did the Pathfinder Society special and then two Starfinder ones, uh, mm-hmm. one shots in that. And then at the same time, uh, as I was doing that, I also pitched this, uh, this crazy idea for a, um, scoured, a scoured stars book. So I ended up doing that. So and, you know, that, that was, uh, yeah. um, that was a possibility of what Cosmic Create was going to be. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, but when we were getting ready in 2017 to start recording episodes, I think uh, Glass Cannon announced that they were going to have a Kickstarter and like potentially play Starfinder in the future and do the AP. And then like other podcasts popped up that wanted to do Dead Sons as well. So I was like, oh, maybe we should just do Starfinder Society instead and kind of play it like it's just a regular AP volume, and I was I was voted down by the the players. They're like, no, we want a one long continuous adventure. I was like, all right, but Starfinder Society looks pretty good. <laughs> Why? Well, uh, thank you for that. Well, besides, you know, you know, you can have these one off adventures that are kind of like the X Files episodes that were not about aliens. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> the like the little side adventures. You had those main society story missions the the i guess what do you call them do you call them the canon no uh, um so so meta plot was like a term meta you plot, would end yes. up using which would be like related to the season yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so you have those that work like your your through thread for for the seasons and i was excited about potentially diving into those at the beginning of starfinder but like i said they went they want to go the ap route instead and now you don't have to choose you can go, you can get Starfinder Society in hardcover form, which I'm very excited about owning. I don't know about yeah. other people. I've, yeah, I've been I know. waiting for it for a while. Can that that's coming out soon, but uh, delayed, slightly delayed. <laughs> well, <laughs> comparatively soon. <laughs> soon yeah, it's yes. like one of the major next adventure path releases. Yes. Um, what can you tell us about that? Like, how is it different than saying going and collecting all those individual adventures and and just kind of I don't know, kit bashing them or stapling them together. So one of the cool things about my job that I really enjoy is that as I'm talking to you, I can just open this file on my <laughs> other on my other monitor and be like, oh, let's let me pull up some cool examples of this of this neat book that I have here. Right. Yeah, do, um, do, do you so, want to share your screen? I, can, <laughs> I, I, I can't show you those InDesign <laughs> files. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but what I what I can say is um, so for those who aren't aware, uh, Scoured Stars was the, the storyline of the first season of uh, Starfinder Society. Um, and that first season season ended up going for two years because we realized like wow we have a whole lot of story to tell when we started starfinder society we were only doing one scenario a month um a lot of things sort of like shifted we jumped back to two we we jumped to two scenarios a month we did all of this you know (laughs) all all of this uh intense work and it went over the course of two years and that like that first season was you know oh gosh what was it like 40 plus product i think forty. 
42 different, you know, scenarios, interactive specials, all that fun stuff. And it was like, it was a very coherent, um, you know, story. We were, what we were trying to do with it was to give people an introduction similar to an AP style, but through society play where there would yeah. be one-offs and then there'd be, yeah, kind of the, the, the X-Files alien episodes or the, you know, like ghost in the shell, the ones that weren't standalone. Um, <laughs> And, and we we like we we told a, a pretty epic story of what happened in the you know what happened to the society that was lost in the scoured stars, and that that was told over the course of several adventures. So one of the things that I've heard repeatedly is a lot of people really enjoyed that story arc anecdotally and honestly just a lot of data we 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 analyzed was like a lot of people really like that but a lot of people who maybe weren't involved with the arc play program never got to experience it whereas a lot of people who you know were involved in the the arc play program wanted to like get some revisions and and like so Mm As I said before, my my current job in my last position where I was in sort of digital adventures, I pitched this idea of, well, like, we want to do an adventure that maybe maybe doesn't have the same burdensome footprint, I will say, as like doing a whole new AP. And by that, I mean, you know, we don't have to contract new authors. We can actually take a bunch of art and and like, but. That being said, we can add in a whole bunch of new stuff. We can actually order a bunch of new art. If I have to say one thing is like oh. one of the most exciting thing for me on this is that this 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 product compiles 12, 12 adventures. So 10 events, 10 scenarios and two interactive specials into like a whole AP. Like and yeah. each of them now is one level of play. The interactives spread over two levels of play where you level up partway through, all meant for like single player content. So even those people who maybe couldn't participate in some of those earlier interactive specials where you needed a lot of tables, you can play it with just a table of like four of your friends. One of the selling points that I love about this product too is that like it's an AP you can complete in about 75 hours. And we know we have the data. People have done it. Um, but but it was it was an opportunity for us to to go back and really look at it. And like honestly, for me to go back and look at it, because mm-hmm. you know, I had I had been sort of the the creative lead on that entire story arc along with John Compton at the time. But like John was managing all of society play. I was really the the person who was locked in specifically on Starfinder. So, you know, John would help out a lot. We would bounce ideas, we'd have a good thing, but I was the one who would go into sort of the nitty-gritty and assign outlines and work with authors. So I had like a really good sense of what was going on and whatnot so you know after it happened i kind of went on to you know do a couple more seasons of organized play and then i went to digital adventures but i always kind of wanted to go back to that story so this was a fun way to do that and Mm -hmm. yeah so i ended up going back this this is like a 256 page hardcover book that has 12 distinct adventures it has a toolbox of you know things that things that i i I think are just invaluable that we don't get to put in a lot of places like hey the jinsels are bad guys maybe we should have like three or four pages that talks about just them and their society oh hey there's a society in there called the the cry home freehold that shows up in a bunch of adventures let's look at them um not not something there's page space for in just the society uh absolutely Absolutely. But it was also another good chance uh, for us to go and really reevaluate some of those old adventures from where we had started. A good example of this is maps. This mm-hmm. is also one of the first adventure, like, well, actually, this is the first adventure path where it relies heavily on footmap products. Like, the flip maps mm-hmm. are printed in the book like they would be in a scenario. And so, you know, we had a lot, we have a lot of people who say like, oh, I'd rather have custom maps in an AP, but I hear a lot of GMs were like, no, I'd rather have a flip map in the AP so that I don't have to, you know, 
sketch something out or whatnot and oh, i can yeah. just go out and buy it like that's one of the the joys of society play and so what what we ended up doing which was you know really fun was putting those in there but also going like hey we had this weird janky pathfinder flip map because you know we didn't actually have starfinder <laughs> flip maps yet maybe we could like swap that around or hey maybe oh. we could use some flip tiles here for like you know replacing some of this out of date stuff um it was also an opportunity for us to go into those adventures and kind of cut them back um from like the multi level spreads and be like no the commencement the commencement's a first level adventure now like that's mm-hmm. it you you play it first level second level okay follow that up with the first mandate that's a second level adventure. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's everything scaled for second level. Um, and people who've played those adventures are certainly going to go in and like see a lot of what was there, but this has also been a chance for us to go in and clear stuff up. Um, you know, clear up a lot of storyline elements. One of the fun things for me doing this was okay. Twofold one, each one of those 12 adventures gets a half page art piece, like not like a small little, like a half pager full art piece. I'm looking at some of them right now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, First mandate has Zoe Luaziel Sebo in iteration one seven seven hanging it's a, out. It's uh, another thing that doesn't show up in a lot of society scenarios. Is like a, yeah, a page of art. That, yeah, you don't get that like that that full full sort of scale. We also got some you know some beautiful pages on like hey here's just like a full page art piece on the scoured stars like mm-hmm. and what it looks like the. Probably my favorite part of the book is is sort of the the appendices and like cover content because that that stuff is almost all new and it's things like hey this adventure path doesn't use experience it runs on milestone play which is another big first for us oh, this wow. is like you you finish the first adventure you level up here's how you give your players their rewards here's how like they when they should level up their starships this um, sounds like you're giving into player demands as a gm it just sounds like you're giving them everything they want just uh, did we level up yes you did you finished the adventure <laughs> yeah exactly absolutely and it's you know a lot of that finicky stuff where like you know what like i'll be honest i i've rarely played in campaigns where mm-hmm. i have used experience i just milestone level most of the time that's that's my personal play style but you know what it was it was a case here where it made a lot of sense. Now the other thing that's exciting is like, let us put in like whole new encounters. Oh yeah, like like we have you know looking at a lot of feedback. Like ah uh, the Jinsels, they they show up you know partway through we don't get a lot. Okay so we're gonna give you a bit more content earlier on. We're gonna have a bit more mysterious encounters. Oh we're gonna remind you that they're there in some of the later adventures. Mm. Um and then just like yeah like along with all of that we just get a lot of content that's gonna start seeding some of the future plot plot hooks in the in the setting too so it's it's kind of a it's kind of like an homage to people who've like played this and you know want this experience they've had on their shelves they can pick up and read through and run it hopefully you know run it for their friends but it's also for people who want that like adventure experience but maybe just want it to be fairly easy to run like one night of gaming is an adventure realistically like you can extend it and you can you know do all of those things but you know, these are these are smaller adventures. They're bite sized. Mm-hmm. They're society sized. At the end of the day, yeah. So, so I'm very excited. It's uh, <laughs> like I could I could go on about this for a long time just because I was so excited to do it. Like, you know, I I think one of one of the first things I did when I came into this product uh, project was there was a piece of artwork that I really wasn't pleased <laughs> with how it like came out with, and it was like one of the first things where I'm like. We're swapping that artwork out. It was like <laughs> things like that where I just got to got to go in or or conversely, like, you know, this adventure like had a lot of problems. One of the greatest things was like 
let me go through reviews and old forum posts to see where people <laughs> were complaining about adventure. And I'm fixing said, that. <laughs> asterisks here. I'm sure there's going to be someone who's going to like listen to this podcast and come back a year from now and be like, well, actually, Thurston, I posted on December <laughs> 31st, 2027, and you didn't change the thing. Look, I did my best. I did my best. You'll but, get um, it in the 10 year anniversary yeah, of the exactly. Scoured Stars. That's down the line. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So, so no, it's 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 yeah. honestly a really exciting uh, project, and it's it's you know after Ports of Call, which is coming out, it's like you know, our, well, it's our it's our next big adventure path now that Drift um, Drift Hackers is done. Um, and yeah, uh, and it's yeah, and, a, and some change for us. Some people, not me, were not excited about their kind of replacing in the schedule mm-hmm. regularly scheduled adventure paths coming out, but mm-hmm. I like having options for like hardcovers uh mm-hmm. i understand replacing the schedule is one thing but like the the way that they're doing it with the pathfinder books i'm very excited about those were some of my favorites it's how i played in first edition rise of the rune lords i had the hardcover edition and it was just one of my favorite books paizo's ever published uh so i'm excited are are we going to see more collected volumes kind of like this for other APs or for other society seasons? Do you think? I know it's very far away, <laughs> potentially. Uh, you know, you know, well. society seasons is something we've we've talked about internally. Um, mm-hmm. There's been a lot of like, I'd love to see that Dash storyline kind of all brought together for year yeah. two and so some other things. Whether or not we're going to do those is obviously going to depend on like how successful is this product, but also, you know. I would say stay tuned and show up at our PaizoCon uh, Secrets <laughs> of the Pact Worlds thing. You know, last year at the end of PaizoCon, and I may may have regretted it, but like we teased an adventure path and maybe we'll have more to talk about that adventure <laughs> path this year. All right. Um, but like... Th- how, how dare you save all your secrets for PaizoCon and Gen Con and not CritterCon? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the start I, I, of the season. Look, of- look, look, I can give you more on other products that we've already <laughs> announced. I swear, I've got all sorts of things to talk about with other products <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I actually haven't gotten a chance to to dive in. I know it's coming out very soon for folks, but Port of Call, Starfinder's Ooh. next. Well, it's been teased a lot, and a lot of things have already been kind of uh, shown off in, in various places. But I'm very excited about, is it Galarian World? <laughs> Galarian World. You know, everyone everyone who, who <laughs> hears about that book immediately brings up Galarian World. I think it's going to yeah. be popular. Well, the, um... the, the, uh, <laughs> the people that have contributed to it have been talking about it online a good deal. So I'm very excited to see what is in the book but yeah what what can you tell us about yeah so so parts of call is is a very interesting product because it fills a niche of like just building up a lot of our setting right mm-hmm. giving giving people like places to go uh is is one big aspect but it it also serves a couple of other things and once again i'm invoking my my dark powers of being able to load the pdfs in front of me <laughs> Well, that because one's coming out. That's like the next Starfinder release, right? It is. It is one. next month, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a couple things in here that are just so exciting for me for a lot of reasons. But one one of them is is we we have like the intro of this book talks about the galaxy. Like mm-hmm. you know, we we learn about Desna's path, which is you know our our galaxy for Starfinder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think our, our, uh, our lovely marketing folks teased a picture of the actual galaxy map, yeah. um, which has shown up now. 
that map also appears as a poster map in the back of this book that is marked out. And one of the reasons that it's marked out and has like different, you know, sectors of space and primarily planets, mm-hmm. like every every place that's in here has its planet sort of marked down. But one of the exciting things is, is as we follow up from the Drift Crisis event, we've also got drift lanes that have now appeared, which are these like connecting points between empires or, you know, between civilizations and star systems. Um, like that are sort of tunnels between yeah. locations. That's it's a it's an interesting idea. I saw when when that was announced and it makes sense that you would have to have kind of like a an a physical map <laughs> potentially for people to to plot out their their own adventures soon. Yeah, and you know, like one of the things about how the drift works in Starfinder is it's one of those things where it's you, it's you, actually it's actually nebulous at best to chart out anything because you, like you could have you a travel at the speed of plot. Right? Well, you could you could have a planet that's actually like right next to you that's technically in the vast, and you could have a planet that's like way further away from you that's in near space because of how drift beacons work. I know I'm going mm-hmm. extra nerdy lore here, but one of the things is is that you know when you put a map in front of people and just like at the edges of the system are these things like, you know, there's a big chunk of the galaxy that's just marked out as swarm space, you know, (laughs) Hey, but then we, we got to introduce these drift lanes and what these, these are really exciting for the team because they let us tell some stories and they, they give us some ability to, to deal with a lot of things we were having problems with. Like rules is written before the drift crisis. Piracy was actually like, Kind of hard to do um, mm-hmm. effectively. And so the drift lanes gives, give us an interesting way of exploring that a bit more. One of the things that I'm really excited about, about drift lanes, especially when you look at the map of how they sort of intersect and whatnot, there are four distinct drift lanes that go through the Vescarium. <laughs> and that to me is like, one of those crosses through Aslanti space. And that's one of those things of like, How's that going to play out? And mm-hmm. like just just a lot of interesting um, elements that we can now explore mm-hmm. in future plot lines and what have you. Yes, I, I, I can understand. That was the first thing that popped in my brain with these drift lanes is like, oh, well, someone's going to block them up and use them for tolls or piracy or, or yep. something along those lines, which is which is great. And that's just I one fantasy. thing in uh, Ports of Call. Like, right, there's right, right. so much else. Like, you know, we get we get several new species in Ports of Call. Yeah. Um, yes. One, one. You know, here's here's a funny thing. We talked about the Scoured Stars just before this. One is Zadamar is a settlement. It's a Port of Call that's in this book that mm-hmm. is in the Scoured Stars, and we get to see what's happened right. after the events of the Adventure Path and like what's going on there. Uh, one of the playable. Sp- species that's in this book is the fear which are like a gaseous people who are introduced in the scoured star storyline mm-hmm. so we have all of these these tie-in options and then you know we certainly have galarian world and then we have you know um shulgi station and outpost zed for some of those of you who have hey. followed some of the other aps and then we've, we've been there done things. that yeah <laughs> but but like what's what's going on there now mm-hmm. um and then we also have some some interesting you know other um elements in here like a cargo system or contracts which you might recognize from ports of call that we get to hmm. sort of codify a bit more into a hardback book for maybe someone who's not playing that adventure path right the um live free or die or right? fly free or die yeah fly free or die <clears throat> yeah uh yeah well that that makes sense to to put that in in that book i'm very excited about that one as well yeah. the announcement this year that's rocked a lot of people though <laughs> and and probably people <laughs> wanted me to ask you about the most is absolutely 
enhanced starfinder enhanced something that you know people have probably been way too impatient to to get to in, in a in a starfinder lineup i don't know for, for me starfinder still feels like it was yesterday <laughs> when it was announced <laughs> but what can you tell us about this book it's not out for another six months or so at this point i think but obviously a, a good amount of of um the book is 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 done right you've got <laughs> all the end I've got the files right in front of they're me all completed again. in front of you yeah um, but maybe maybe they need an editor our editors <laughs> are great and yay but i'll tell you okay so we have a panel at PaizoCon, so i can't now of course i'm going to tell you a little <laughs> bit about it starfinder enhanced is a book that like we we had a lot of meetings. This was uh, prior to me becoming managing creative director. So this book was, you know, in the pipe before I sort of took over um, mm-hmm. the, the team. Um, but this was one I pushed for a lot personally, because I believe that one of the places Starfinder really needed a bit of an oomph was in the mechanic section. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, we have a lot of really good books, but a lot of the mechanics are spread out through them. A lot of them become very specific. And that that's good. That gives a lot of what I'll say, like, breadth to the setting, where it's like this the setting feels alive, like the number of species we have, all of these things. But one problem I, I've noticed in, in my play is just like a, a bit of the depth. I feel like I want more depth in the game on a mechanical level. So Starfinder Enhanced was was, you know, concepted as like, you know, in some ways, calm to electric boogaloo, where we might be able to do oh, a bit more okay. rules. But then we ended up looking at a lot of other elements and ways we could go. There's a couple things in here that really excite me. We've we've announced that we're going to have four enhanced versions of um, existing classes. So that's the enhanced envoy, the Solarian, the Technomancer, and the Witch Warper. Those are people have been asking what does that mean well you'll you'll see in the book but it mm-hmm. is a it is a case of these classes aren't just I mean, we aren't just like going to reprint the the class so to speak we aren't just going to like make it make it and change it what we're going to do is we're going to provide people with with intro, like you know i think it's about two or four pages for each of the enhanced classes that is, you know, a bit of a new like level progression and maybe some new abilities that are associated with them, you know, and a lot of this is, is, is not purely based on power level. It's based on gameplay experience. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people have brought to my attention that's, but thirsty operatives are so OP. You should nerf operatives. Um, and I am of a different opinion. And I think that, well, if people enjoy playing operatives, why don't we have other classes that can perform on a similar scale and feel enjoyable mm-hmm. doing it? And so what we looked at for a lot of these was um, was classes where there were, you know, maybe play experiences that just didn't feel good at the table. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I run a lot of home campaigns. I'll, I'll, I'll here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you your first spoiler. Oh. I get to do this now. Like no one can stop me. I'm mad with power, <laughs> but like one of the problems I've had in, in my home campaigns and I've kind of like how, ho- ho- house ruled because that's what i do for my home games mm-hmm. um is like the envoy for example i found that with the envoy it's a really fun class you get to buff but oftentimes your buffing comes at the expense of you feeling like you get to do something cool so one of the second well the second level ability that the enhanced envoy gets is something called inspiring combo which is as a full action you can make a single attack and use one envoy improvisation you know mm-hmm so that you can do something and also help your friends so that you aren't just sacrificing your action to 
you know, make someone else better. You're helping them, but also you're taking a shot with your laser pistol. Because yeah. Han, Han Solo shot with a laser pistol while he was, you know, talking <laughs> to his friends, right? Like, while making quips, yes, of course. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, so that, like, you know, that's one example, and there are certainly mm-hmm. more for each of the classes. Uh, another, another one that I, I've had personal. I, I take full responsibility for this one, by the way, mm-hmm. is the Witch Warper. I, um. I gave some feedback during the play test that maybe got the witch warper a bit overtuned. So I <laughs> had a personal crusade of we should look at the witch warper again and maybe uh, maybe take a look at how infinite worlds works and you know mm-hmm. make sure that everything isn't say based off of your spell slots that are your only per cool things at first <laughs> level like things like that where there were just like play experiences where it didn't necessarily feel great or where we could just improve how play was mm-hmm. I, i'm really excited for it honestly i think i think just just for that alone the book has me excited for a lot of those classes um not to mention that like you know as i'm going through these enhanced classes are sprinkled in with all the other classes like here's four new pages of vanguard abilities here's like so so we're getting are are we getting all the classes having some new every items all right so this is definitely calm 2.0 right um to to give you an idea the class section is about 82 pages uh sorry not 82 page my my bad my bad about 56 pages of the book is still like is everyone's like getting class. about four pages that's uh that's a lot <laughs> that's a uh, chunk of that book then we we still have species we have themes in here and then we ju- we dive into some areas that i think are really important for the game too archetypes mm-hmm. um you know like archetypes is one of those things where i just feel the more we can do the better but really this is like closest to my heart but feats I think I I think I put in the uh, in the description of this book for the product page. There's over I think ninety feats in this book. Mm-hmm. Wow! This is this is like this is a toolbox. This is a thing for players who have wanted to do all of this, and and that and you know spells and creature companions and like the product the product when the product page when it says and much much more is not lying for this book. There is a lot in here. Uh, yeah, um, I, I'll say. <laughs> But but then there is, you know, but wait, there's more. This book also has rules for scaling equipment so that you can have that gun with you through the whole campaign and not mm-hmm. have to constantly, like, swap out your guns. That's something the team also feels real strongly about, that we oh, want to yeah. have better options for, like, that, oh, my, my family gun, I'm tossing it away because I need to buy <laughs> the next best thing. Well, it's, it's basically something we've homebrewed with people's, like, personal weapons on mm-hmm. Cosmic Crit, of course. But I was going to, I, I was getting ready to write literal homebrew rules for season five spoilers for our upcoming season. But as soon as I put pen to paper, I think you guys announced enhanced. I was like, Oh, well I'm just going to let the professionals do it now. But yeah, that, that is something that seems like because there are levels to weapons already and like different levels of the, the same weapon class would would be easy to kind of like slot in. Can you tell us a little bit about that system? I I sure can. I can tell you right off the bat that it's about eight pages. That's me stalling Ooh. as the file loads. But um, <laughs> no, well, no, that, no. And it's got really cool art. But no, it, it goes into, you know, what is like, what is the scaling cost for these? What is the upgrade mm-hmm. between levels? So it provides all of that math for you. Like it does it with armor as well. So, oh, hey, wow. do you want do you want to have your armor? This is what like a baseline heavy armor might look like. This is, you know, a baseline light armor. Okay, what's the weapon progression based off of? It's it's very 
It's very mechanical, mm-hmm. but it's mechanical because it's meant to let you kind of create your custom thing that you want. Right. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm I'm so excited about it. Was there at any point, I know you said this is before you kind of stepped into your current position. Was there any point that this was going to be called like a character operations manual two or or something like that? Or is it always Starfinder enhanced? Actually, finding a name for this was a tricky proposition. <laughs> and we went through a few things, but Starfinder Enhanced just, you know, had that cuteness of like enhance, enhance, um, which <laughs> well, ha ha ha, funny, 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 funny joke. But also it kind of came more into focus once we hit the the other part of the book that I haven't even mentioned on. Like we have the enhanced classes, certainly, and a whole bunch of new character options and all of those things, which is very calm. But there is still ship combat too. Other rules, which includes three main points in the mm-hmm. other rules section which all of them are things that like sing to me the first off is a narrative starship combat so for those people who don't want the the high-end tactical you know maybe they just want to roll some skill checks we we have that in here. not fun people in my book <laughs> people that don't like fun technical combats I, I, you I, know <laughs> it was the thing i was one most excited about when i when i got the starfinder core rule book i was like oh my gosh this is a mini tactical game within your role-playing game which i just i thought it got stuff like star trek and star wars so right with like the shields and but i understand you don't always want to play that combat out so and, and some of the ap's have had like more story driven starship encounters mm-hmm. i guess not not combats with ships but like you know you're going through an asteroid field and and people really enjoyed those they they like yeah the feeling of being at the con, but not necessarily only having to shoot or balance the shields, you know? Absolutely. So this is just, this is just an opportunity for us to give some, some rules for maybe those people who don't want to, don't want to run the crunchier starship combats that, that, mm-hmm. you know, that was one thing we wanted to put in. Uh, GM tools is a section for me. That is great. Cause it does one important thing. It reevaluates high level skill dcs which has always been a bit of a tricky widget for us um specifically i'll tell you straight up people who have used the skill dc scaling for like what's what's the what's the difficulty of a skill check at level 15 the math in our core rule book might not be the best to use for that um (laughs) and so we we take a look at that here and go go a bit more depth and finally a thing that i once again was like just oh gosh can we do this in this book and then joe (laughs) Pacini, who was the lead developer was like yes yes we can and then i think jessica catalan uh who's the starfinder society uh, lead right now she wrote it but um generic uses for resolve points for all classes. Ooh, that's that's exciting. It, it is very exciting because it allows us to fix a, a bit of disparity I would say that existed between how some of the classes interact with how they interact with resolve points, but also lets us do some some fun things like hey, spend a resolve point when you're casting a spell to increase the save DC of that spell. Wow. You, you went there. Yeah. All the casters, the caster mains are very yeah. excited. for Absolutely. Well, um, you, you have a, a whole system in Pathfinder 2nd Edition with like hero points and stuff. Uh, they don't yeah. have resolve in the base rules, but they have another system that augments play that everyone has access to. It makes sense that there'd be some more options for a limited resource that every player has this pool Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. players love uh, my players (laughs) the podcast people's love 
expending their their RP if it's if they know they're going to affect the combat or do something cool. So I think it's important because we also have a couple classes that currently don't interact well with resolve points. There's a couple mm-hmm. of them like the 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 biohacker is is an example I use a lot. It doesn't actually innately have anything that re- like uses resolve points. And so you know, they can just sit on their resolve point pool and use them for stamina healing. And then if they get knocked down, you know, mm-hmm. but now, you know, what if I were to tell you, you could, when you roll initiative, spend a number of resolve points equal to one quarter of your maximum total of resolve points, minimum one, max three. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe for the rest of that combat, you crit on 19s and 20s. <laughs> um, you know, there could be there could be some 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 things where we might be spicing it up and getting people to spend their resolve points. Ooh. Yeah, we, we we we've house ruled that already on cosmic crit. We call those super hits. <laughs> yeah, and so nineteens. We, woo. We have we have some uh, we have some some fun stuff in there, and like spellcasters certainly are going to get some. One of the ones I also think that is like you know probably the most exciting. This is the last. This is the last resolve point thing I'm giving you. <laughs> this, this is the last freebie. Just read the entire. Chapter. Just the whole the whole yeah the whole section. But one of them is you know one of the things we have in our game that's fun but also like a bit clunky for people is when you have like multiple crit effects on an on an ability where it's like oh you have to pick one what if i told you you could apply two if you spent a resolve point like there's some there's some changes uh builds and you know how you're picking your fusions uh and you know with some of the changes we've recently made in errata to fusions which was Mm -hmm. uh a big a big decision the team kind of unanimously agreed on <laughs> when we were looking at it of you know hey maybe it shouldn't take forever to slap these things on yeah it creates some very interesting dynamics here so awesome but the i asked before about the the title for the book because mm-hmm. obviously as soon as the news broke that it was coming out people compared it to pathfinder first editions unchained chained yep is in the same kind of naming territory so people were like mm-hmm. oh well this is going to be very similar to that book which also had class updates for four classes as well in pathfinder first edition <laughs> right a rogue and i forget the other ones rogue was the big summoner other uh, yeah yeah, yeah. summoner <laughs> summoner is the one i always remember i have already play flashbacks i was about to say i remember <laughs> uh being very popular with with their changes um mm-hmm. but yeah that was uh what a lot of people felt like a testing ground for like where are we going for a Pathfinder second edition. And that came out like four years before Pathfinder second edition came out. Mm-hmm. So does that mean we're we're on a <laughs> countdown until 2027? Oh, for Starfinder? smart journalism, <laughs> smart journalism, which would also be tra- okay. 10 year anniversary <laughs> for Starfinder. What a perfect time, right? All right. What I'll say is that this book does not, quite have what in or what unchained had unchained had a lot of experimental systems that you actually see like similar in like the pathfinder gmg uh right now for second edition with you know like a different ability score methods and a lot of that was in the old unchained um different monster creation rules enhanced doesn't really have a lot Mm -hmm. enhanced is almost entirely player focused content so we aren't giving your game new subsystems beyond what I mentioned with the narrative starship combat. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else in this book is generally speaking geared to new options for your player. Right. 
So, well, it's not called Com 2. And one of the reasons we aren't calling it Com 2 is if you put two at the end of any book, it doesn't sell as well and it's not quite <laughs> as sexy. Well, it doesn't sound it doesn't sound like it is just a sequel to to the first com despite having those many many player options but yeah. people love that first character operation manual because of how it changed up those base classes and, and systems mm-hmm. and, and things like that and so i will i will i will like alleviate the concerns of like they're testing out stuff this book is not <laughs> us testing out stuff for second edition y'all i'm just gonna toss that out there like mm-hmm. don't don't worry that is not the purpose of this book the purpose of this book is for people who are really into starfinder and really want to enhance their game for their players specific but there's also a lot of gm content in here because anything you're throwing to the players the gm gets to play with too and <laughs> also, you know, as narrative starship combat, those, you know, in the, those maybe better DC scalings, like all of those are great GM tools. So I'd say that this book is primarily focused to players, but it really works for GMs. Like this is this is kind of a book I've been so excited for all my home games to get. As a GM, can I just give X amount of RP to all of my minions and allow them to use these same RP rules. Oh, I, I, got I mean, that. technically, <laughs> some oh. creatures have RP built in. Oh, yes, I know. That's I right. know for a fact. Uh, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about I mean, obviously, I think that's that that is so far away. But it, it's going to be here before you know it. And, and we're going to dive into it more at PaizoCon. This is a this is right. definitely a panel we're going to have at PaizoCon where we're going to talk a bit more about this book. Even though it's far off, we want to make sure that people can get a bit of a sense of where this book yes. is going. In the fall, we got to wait for the fall, correct? For for enhanced. Yeah, but. I believe it comes out in a october technically you know and sadly like a lot of a lot of the the delays on the starfinder side have just been due to a variety of things certainly like team shuffling is factored into that shipping mm-hmm. stuff you know <laughs> making sure we have enough artists and editors in our in our house to get all these books we're putting out there looked at because it's not just at the end of the day it's not just the developers there's a whole like bunch of different teams that look at these books so right well, yeah, we're I mean, season five will have a ton of enhanced stuff like I'm not going to be able to keep my players away from <laughs> it. The, like the second we get our grippy mitts on it, it's going to appear on the podcast when those episodes would come out after it releases. We're not going to be spoiling anything for our fans, but um, they're they're going to be, like I said, chomping, chomping at the bit for for some of those those rule changes like our listeners are, I'm sure. <laughs> I can't I can't spoil the whole book. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. sorry. I'll spoil the, the Novians, though, because we showed a picture. Yeah. Of them oh, boy, in, they're adorable. Blog. Oh, boy, they're adorable. And you, too, can be a tiny outsider that represents a little just dead son and, you know, have an ability called Micro Nova. It's going to be cool. It's going to be fun. I mean, you, you got to play a Solarian novian who's got like Mm -hmm. a a little miniature glowing novian over their shoulder like a angel or devil that's that's the first character i'm making for sure (laughs) i i might you know go out of my way and make a hologram yeah a a hologram of your character i mean you know this new species we have called hologram would be pretty cool to play Yes. Um, and and one other thing that I think we've we've mentioned before, but just so people out there are listening, uh, there were several species that we first introduced um, through the 
gosh, the alien deck that we released. I am trying to remember the specific name of it. Just I am a alien character person. deck. Yeah. yeah, alien character <laughs> deck. That included some, you know, some choices like Knowles, Gripley's. All of those are reprinted in this book as well. So yes. that you kind of have access to that. As well as some, you know, fan favorites from APs. Like, the, this isn't new content per se, but it's us mm-hmm. putting it in a place that might be a bit more accessible for some of our fans. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, people... Uh, love those new um, playable species options in any book that they they can uh, get access to, whether it be Alien Archives or or books like these. So that that's one of the first things I thumb through all new Starfinder publications for. It's like, wh- what weird thing are you going to be able to play <laughs> next? And it's one of the reasons I didn't like Second Edition's handling of ancestries as much because I was like, they're not going to be able to print as many of these as Starfinder <laughs> has done. But then I've been proven pretty wrong because I mean they they're already at like fifty or something ancestries and going strong. I, I would also say too one of the one of the things that First Edition Starfinder versus Second Edition Pathfinder has in in their life cycles the starfinder has been just working so much ground on like introducing species like a lot of like mm-hmm. you know we can fit a we can fit a new species on one page whereas an ancestry takes yeah. up several pages in 2b but you know a lot of what we've been doing with starfinder is just introducing species mm-hmm. i've been saying for a while i'd love for us you know interstellar species was a great starting point of us being able to dig into some of these existing species that we have um like ha 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 it's a walrus person who gets like a page <laughs> of text to it wouldn't it be cool if we could do like eight pages and get into their society and give them mm-hmm. you know unique abilities and, and all those sorts of things i think i think there's some some interesting play of us like eventually going down that route in terms of giving our species more now that we've just created so many of them <laughs> yeah i i've lost track but there there are people that wiki these things online who uh who have the full count i mean it's like 130 something or something insane at this point i, I and, oh gosh i can probably i might have a spreadsheet for that so yeah, i was about to say get, <laughs> scroll down the excel document too <laughs> to yeah, get I've, them all but then you have like some that have like multiple dichotomies you know like Lashunta, are you gonna seven, count those 102 is is one of my counts, but that doesn't okay. quite include every absolute one from some back matter and some mm-hmm. other miscellaneous ones. But like, yeah, last I did a count from books, like books and AP back matter, yeah. about 102. It's like, you know, literally I went through recently um, alien archive creatures just as, you know, part of my, okay, I'm, I'm starting up. I want to <laughs> have some databases for this. That's not just like pulling from archives of Nethys. And it's like, we have, over 750 unique creatures like that's a lot of stuff so. yeah i mean six years of of content and uh yep. you guys have been doing such a great job at getting it consistently uh <laughs> a, a, a new alien species or monster like a day it seems like <laughs> since uh or uh, at the very least per week since the the game has launched I'm I'm super excited for for a ton of stuff. Season five of Cosmic Crit is launching, I think, like only 10 days or so after this episode drops. So we're, we've been uh, hyping it up for a long time, and I've been sitting on secrets for it for over a year since I started planning it out. And now I know what you feel like in uh, <laughs> getting these these AP books and and Starfinder Society stories ready so far in advance and then having to wait 
a long time for folks to get a chance to sit down and experience them. It's not fun. Thirsty. <laughs> it's not fun at all. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a balancing act. It's a balancing act. It's always it's always fun to, you know, kind of kind of bite your tongue and go, oh, if only I could say something here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. It's one of the things yeah, we, you know. we have. We have way too smart folks in in our discord alone, let alone the greater Paizo community at at guessing at secrets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, you know, it's funny because you'll just you know, someone will catch on like a way someone said something or whatnot. And suddenly it'll be like, <laughs> aha, they're doing X, Y, Z. And it's like, no, no, so no, many. No, no. Uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes out there. Yes, indeed. Uh, Well, watch what you say at PaizoCon. (laughs) Watch what secrets you let slip. And then at Gen Con, you got the the con season upon us very soon. We have big announcements at both. I will say one of the weird parts is that I, you know, I kind of go on my online tour of like, we have big news. It's coming. Don't worry. There is some really good Starfinder news coming. But yeah, on a scale of one to ten, where do you put starfinder enhanced because you you've been obviously keeping that secret for a long time <laughs> where, where would you rate that as far as like ooh, small news versus big news because for me that's like a nine uh, th- there's stuff that can surpass it but that's that's pretty high up there as far as starfinder news i would categorize and I, people's I, reaction as well i uh, think I, I think it's a solid like 7.58 for me i think it's Whoa. i think it's 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 a spicy book i think it's gonna get a lot i think some of the the news we have coming is really gonna um really gonna like throw people for a loop and have them go oh yeah of course mm-hmm. um and you know some of the some of the projects that we just have on the go i'm you know, I'm I'm currently wrangling multiple Starfinder projects right now. So mm-hmm. when we're talking about things, there's just ways and ways off. And I have freelancers who are like biting their tongues, wanting to talk about things <laughs> we haven't announced yet. Yeah, you, um, you can tell on Twitter once something is finally announced, they're like, oh, thank goodness I can talk about this. <laughs> yeah. uh, I wrote um, so much of this so long ago. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. But but conversely, um, one of the reasons we haven't quite like been bombarding with a lot of announcements is we took some of this, like, you know, some of the delay time with some of these products to really sit down as a team. You know, the team mm-hmm. has had undergone a lot of change right now. And I, I should give a shout out here to like the current Starfinder team. It's myself, senior developer Jenny Jerzabski, who mm-hmm. took over Starfinder Society when I moved on. Yep. And then uh, recently we we hired Dustin Knight as a developer. Dustin's been really active in the community and, you know, was heavily involved with the Pathfinder and Starfinder Infinite programs. Mm-hmm. Um, Dustin brings like a, a very good view to, to the game and, and to the setting a lot of knowledge there you know Je- jenny has written so many things for our game i don't don't even need to talk about how how awesome she is and then we also have um jessica catalan who you know is um well it's not one of my d- direct underlings she reports to, to linda zias palmer and the narrative mm-hmm. side of, of our house but she's you know for all intents and purposes a member of the starfinder team um working on starfinder society um we've been really sitting down these these past few you know months and really digging into the you know starfinder and you know 
what's going to be good for the brand? What do people want to see? What has worked in the past? What hasn't worked in the past? I think, I think with Starfinder, there's certainly been a lot of like momentum of like, let's jump to the next crazy idea. (laughs) We've been taking a bit of time now to sort of sit down and really analyze, you know, where are people enjoying the setting? Where can we improve on the setting? Where can we, you know, like what products do people want to see? And we're, we're taking Mm -hmm. a lot of time so that we can deliver on some, some big promises Mm -hmm. um, and deliver some, some like, rocking products like some of the meetings i have had these past two months have been some of the most fulfilling in my creative career about just directions for starfinder Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i mean that's that's uh that's a lot of hype for something like i mean you're obviously preaching to the choir just about every single year of starfinder i feel like you guys have answered the fans demands not their suggestions their demands like we need this kind of ap we need mm-hmm. this kind of G- gm book or you know like supplemental rules book and it just it's it came out like the <laughs> the the following year every time someone suggested something along those lines we need a book dedicated to the vescarium we need and then then it just shows up on my doorstep about six months later so are you are, are you similarly reacting to what folks are are putting out there in the ether do you think people will have called for or demanded <laughs> that some of the upcoming Starfinder stuff or are they truly going to be surprised? I, I think there'll be some surprises coming fairly, fairly soon. And I think some people go, oh, that makes sense. I, I also think there will be some people who, you know, to, to, to go back to your statement on, you know, the, the, the voices in the ether, so to speak, that there's a fine line. I, you know, I come from an organized play background. I come from really interacting with the community you'll see me in discords i'll be in the starfinder discord and i'll be chatting with people you know on my morning when i come into work or making some cute joke about some new announcement or whatnot <laughs> um or on on our forums or you know checking out reddit hi starfinder reddit but all of these things oh, we, we are, don't talk about those people those people the subreddit folk <laughs> yeah we're subreddit. discord folk on this podcast that's right but but really there's there's a balance because a lot of the people who are in those groups are some of our most dedicated fans. A great example here is the sheer number of people I hear clamoring for like a high level adventure. And we have to be really, really, really careful about doing things like that. And I'm not saying like high level adventure paths are bad. No, high level adventure paths are really important to an ecosystem of a game, but we have to look at what the game's currently, you know, like where we're at, where our sales are at, where our player numbers are at, you know, what, what's going to happen because we don't, we don't want to make a product that isn't going to sell well. Like at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. we're also a a business, right? So a lot of our biggest fans are also in some ways, you know, our worst enemy when it comes to like the voice on the internet, because the things that they want are generally um, things that are beneficial for them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like an ultra player is certainly going to have some high level characters and they're going to want to have content for those high level characters. Um, When I was in org play, one of the weirdest things that happened when we started with Starfinder Society was we sort of had to balance the level scaling of like, okay, we released like a one to four scenario and then a one to four scenario and then a one to four scenario and then maybe a three to six scenario. And like we we Mm kind of like created this intricate web that got smashed like a dinner plate (laughs) when people started running adventure paths for credit because you would have people who would just burn (laughs) through everything we put out. And then suddenly be like, 
but I don't have anything to play with my high level character. And, and we would have to look at that and go, well, yes, but you're like playing it in a very specific way. And because of that, you're in a very small minority. Now you're, 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 you're like the ideal person for us. And we, again, we have to balance this. So, so like when it comes to like listening to the voices online, it's important to listen to them because, you know, those voices are often the people buying all of your books and all of your products and you want to keep them happy. I mean, I'm that person. I, 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 you know, but before I worked at Paizo and got all the stuff as an employee, I was like the <laughs> super fan for everything. I still do that with other things. I'm a path of exile addict on computer games. So I'm, I'm like, so uh, sorry. They're... I throw them so much money. <laughs> you have no idea. Um, oh my. And I play and I play Warhammer, so you know, like I'm glad my partner and I have decided we're never having children because that's where the college fund goes. Um, well, you but, have but, <laughs> you have hundreds of children that you get to uh, paint in position on your show. Yes, but 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 all that being said, like those are those are fans we want to keep happy. But mm-hmm. it's actually like to me, I think really important that we address the fans we aren't hearing from or the people who aren't even fans of our game yet, and we have to look at ways to to bring them in. And to me, that is very important and we're we're looking at ways to address that i think one of our announcements at PaizoCon is going to really appeal to people who've been in our ecosystem for a while and maybe want to try something a bit different but like maybe a bit more advanced than your standard thing maybe going a bit higher level than we've gone before but but like there is a there's a very very tight rope balancing act and this is part of Hmm. the talks you know that the team has been having is like you know What's going to be good for this game? What's going to keep this game fresh? What's going to also you know, keep this brand going? One thing that I'm really passionate about is I really want to see us do more with our brand elements, like have more villains, have more faces, have more um, yeah. things that players react to. That's not just look at Zoe. Um, we want to <laughs> we want to have we want to build up on that. We're, we're, we're really focusing on a lot of that. And it's really exciting. Well, if if my player's reaction to um, Devastation Arc is is any indication, bring back Niren, the <laughs> the the time displaced Fey. They hated that guy more than any other uh, bad guy. I think we we <laughs> faced, and maybe it was just my playing of him. But yeah, as someone that's just completed Devastation Arc, I'm I don't need another high level <laughs> AP right now. I'm so excited to get back to level one. And, and dive into uh, Horizons of the Vast. So yeah. excited. Yeah, you know, just towards what you're saying, I, I I agree. I think it's it's great that you're taking some time to look at where Starfinder isn't as opposed to where it is. I, I feel like the, the folks over on the Pathfinder 2E side have, have done a good job of balancing like what people are demanding and, and what d- doing something that perhaps they they weren't going to be able to do in in first edition i just started a playthrough with uh, an old girl team of of people that are very excited uh teenagers excited about strength of thousands nice and that's one that is just so far afield i feel like tonally and, and things like that from from what a lot of the other pathfinder adventure paths are, are kind of like, and in a good way, it's a breath yeah. of fresh air. I am so incredibly stoked as well for a return to Tianjian in, in Pathfinder second edition and, and the world book and the AP that's, that's coming later this year. There's, there's so much stuff on, on both sides, but for Starfinder, uh, like I said, enhanced for me is like a nine out of 10. So if you can uh, deliver that book and then, Give us some more secrets and PaizoCon and Gen Con about what's coming 
uh, next year, I'd be very yes. excited to. <laughs> I mean, I I can wait. I will wait, but I don't want to wait for for. P- Paizocon will will certainly have some stuff. We'll, we're we're certainly going to have a, a a big announcement, I think, with regards to one of our releases, mm-hmm. um, a slightly smaller one that I think will just have people happy for mm. for something we're doing. Um, and then Gen Con, I think, is going to be another. You know, oh moment for some people where we we maybe maybe throw some things out there and have people go oh okay i'll Um, I'll record my reaction my live reaction to the (laughs) so we'll see see if i do say oh i'll say it like that if i do um thirsty thank you so much for for talking with me i feel like we've gone over what i've promised you uh, (laughs) we would keep it under (laughs) for for this interview there's just too much to talk about and and i mean i blame i do blame you because you should literally that's that's my job now (laughs) what's coming out but yeah no put out some boring books (laughs) we don't want to talk about this much it's not uh that's not happening anymore trust me we got some uh we got some we got some spicy things brewing we we have a ton of people this weekend, I mean, throughout the year, but this weekend, especially that are signing up to GM Starfinder Society scenarios that are meeting players online for the first time and meeting up with friends, critter manders from from our discord that have, that have played with us for years for CritterCon six this weekend. Do you have any parting advice before we sign off for new players and old about how to enjoy themselves at a Starfinder Society table? Uh, I know you've sat at many yourself. What's what's the best way to uh, to get into their game this weekend? I think the best way to get into it is to go into every game with a mentality of, you know, I'm I'm here to play a game, but you know, I, I do this with, with Warhammer tournaments. I think it applies to role-playing games. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to just play a game, get my credit, and leave. I want to make two new friends at this table. And I think that's that's what this is all about. This is, mm-hmm. you know, community at the end of the day. You know, it's it's nice to come down and sit and bond over your characters and your stories and these experiences. But also there's there's human beings who are at the table too. And taking a moment to just get to know some of the people you're playing with and share an anecdote, tell them a bit about yourself. You know, as GMs, give your players like a chance, you know, to introduce themselves, but maybe like ask them a, you know, a funny question that like, you know, you know, hey, well, like, t- tell me, tell tell everyone your name, your character's name, what your character is. And, you know, <laughs> as a player, you know, what's your favorite food? Like, like that sort of stuff, because it's it, at the end of the day, it's just all about us meeting new people and meeting friends and making friends, which I think is just the core of this hobby. It's what makes us different from, you know, competitive games or from like just playing online, like, you know, playing Path of Exile or Diablo, uh, you know, all those sorts of things. So. Yeah. And I mean, that's there's so much downtime in tabletop role playing games where you're not like actively rolling dice. I feel like it I feel like uh, table talk, you know, or in online terms, you know, direct messaging or discord messaging yeah. where you're just sharing memes or having a good time is one of the the highlights of, you know, waiting for your turn to come back around or waiting for the GM to finish setting up something up. And I, I, I cherish that time in both the online community as well as uh, my personal in-person IRL games. Um, what you mentioned, uh, <laughs> I realize uh, our, our good friend Seth, who's now on our, our Patreon Pathfinder uh, second edition podcast and uh, a good friend 
online. One of the first things we did together was play a, a Starfinder Society scenario. I don't think at Critter a CritterCon, but it was in in the first year of our being a Starfinder Society lodge, and uh, I just really enjoyed his character and how he's playing him. And and now five years later or whatever, we're we're best chums, you could say. You know, I, yeah, like Jenny Jarzabski, who I mentioned is the senior, like, developer on our team. I met her at a PaizoCon when both her and I were freelancers. Like, the world works in mysterious ways, and I think some of the the times that you, you know, spend playing these games just makes lifelong friendships that can just take unexpected turns. At no point in my life (laughs) did I think I'd be working in this industry. I thought I was going to be trapped in IT my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, you you never know where where it's going to lead. Obviously, we are very lucky to have you on the Starfinder team. Please don't open any emails from any other competitor ever in the future. (laughs) Starfinder, I think, is... is, uh, if it's not where you want to be, it's where you need to be thirsty. Obviously, <laughs> we, I'll tell we, you what I told Eric Mona. <laughs> I think I'll be very happy in this position for a while. Good. Because I'm very passionate about Starfinder and I want to really set a direction for this brand that, um, you know, with a, with a team that wants to really push the envelope and, and maybe do some things and break some eggs along the way and, Maybe do some things that people haven't seen before, haven't expected, or in some cases have expected, but haven't seen yet. So you heard it here first. Thirsty's going to throw some eggs at Eric Mona's house and mm-hmm. make some waves in Starfinder. Uh, well, I'm already excited about what you've done. So, I mean, you, <laughs> you've already passed the test. Way to go. And we haven't even now talked about the books that I've been outlining. I was yet, about to so say that wait. since you started, they're still like months, months away or. All right. Anyway, that is going to do it for for this uh, interview. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to talk about before you sign off or any anywhere people can harass oh, you online? Oh, besides I get to. OK, OK. Morning so at the do, Discord. Plug whatever my you own like my own plug. OK, I was about to say we, we've talked about Paizo enough. <laughs> if you got something else you want to talk about. This is the time. Well, it's tangentially related. No, you can find me on all the social medias and stuff at on call GM, um, you know, Twitter and such and discords. If you're in them, you might see me in there. I won't give you my number, though. You have to find me there yourself on Discord. Um, <laughs> but the, you can also the scary search function. <laughs> that's right. You can also uh, find me doing GMing on um, Narrative Declaration, which is a show that I GM for. It's a Pathfinder 2E campaign called Rock Grind, which is a uh, homebrew Dark Soulsy inspired with just a bunch of chucklehead players that I have. And yeah, you can, you know, we have a Patreon at narrative patreon.com slash narrative declaration. Uh, where I actually write PF2 content and uh, along with some other folks and we release it every month, um, you know, deities for setting new rules, all that kind of stuff. And then we have a show that we do every two weeks uh, over on twitch.tv slash narrative declaration. And yeah, you get to see me behind the GM screen. And we actually just recently announced we're going to be doing our own our own Starfinder show. Don't worry, we won't be as cool as Cosmic <laughs> Crit. We're, we're, trust me, we're we're, we're all a bunch of Yankee doodles. Um, but, please yeah. surpass us. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've sat on, atop this throne too long. Too long. Um, we're like, but, oh, oh uh, obviously other Starfinder podcasts will come along to Bronas. No, people keep listening to this silly show and I have to keep making it. That's okay. We'll throw some punches. But yeah, we're we're figuring that out right now. In fact, we're kind of in the the stage of just gathering like our players and whatnot. So that's underway. But yeah, that's the other thing I do because I have this problem of like 
not having enough to do apparently yeah, with my guess, day job i keep keeps making me podcasts yeah. too and i hate it's, it <laughs> yeah uh, so anyways that's 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 uh my plug but you know obviously a plug to just the starfinder team jenny dustin and uh, jessica they're just rock stars and they deserve all the credit in the world and you're gonna see some really amazing stuff out of the team uh I've, in the coming months i've obviously been here the entire time starfinder has been around and i think the current team i mean i'm not blowing smoke or anything i think it is as strong as it has ever been including that initial like four or five person team at the the launch i think you guys uh, i mean a- after talking with jenny and jessica over the the last year or so i i don't have to worry about starfinder <laughs> i'm not up at night being like oh what's this, the future gonna hold you guys obviously have a vision which i'm very excited to hashtag soon launch. there that'll annoy a lot of people <laughs> online there will be there will be awesome announcements hashtag soon everybody there you can crucify me online for using that one <laughs> On call GM. Okay. Ah! That's going to do it for us. Like I said, if you're listening to this, when this episode releases, you can play Starfinder, the the role-playing game. (laughs) Right now, this entire weekend, we have an online Paizo-sanctioned society charity gaming convention. I I know that's a lot of words, but we are raising money for Doctors Without Borders. This is our fifth year raising money for that charity. And... Unlike other conventions, you can actually pay money to the charity directly to Doctors Without Borders to affect your dice rolls and have a lot of fun <laughs> in, in something you're not normally allowed to do. You can literally purchase automatic 20s or re-rolls or, or what have you, and the money goes to a great cause. Um, we don't see a cent of it. It is all through their portal. And uh, yeah, we do this every year and it's just, it's been more fun each and every year. It got super busy once, uh, I don't know if you remember, there was a um, global pandemic a couple of years ago. Oh yeah. And then all of a sudden we became very popular with uh, doing an online convention when there's no in-person ones. But this year we're very excited. We have a, a, a lofty goal, which is possible. And there's like a ton of stuff. You can also donate towards prize pools and things of of dice and Starfinder books and a lot of other fun, fun gifts. Find that on CosmicCrit.com and all of our links, including to our Discord where you can play. That's going to do it. Once again, thank you, Thirsty. And uh, we'll, we'll see you at the next convention. We'll see you at PaizoCon. That's right. You will. Hashtag uh, soon better be. Hashtag soon will start soon. then. Yeah, it won't be all yeah. of it. I swear. I swear. All Gen right. Con 2. Gen Con 2. <laughs> all right. We will catch you next time. Uh, thank you guys for listening out there. And good luck at CritterCon 6. Roll 20s. Bye. Just buy them. <laughs> I'm never going Crit, an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. The Starfinder role-playing game and adventure paths are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder and Starfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.